Imagine with me. Okay? Put your thinking caps on. Imagine with me. As we are all gathered at Portview this morning, we're singing songs and we're enjoying being together, and all of a sudden, a noise like a tornado fills the room, and flames of fire appear on our heads, all of us, and all of us begin to speak in languages that we've never learned, and it's so amazing that we rush out of the doors of church, and we run downtown into Port Washington, and we're, we're just declaring the glories of God in languages we've never learned, and everybody in Port Washington thinks there's a bunch of drunk lunatics that have just come in town. And they're thinking that because they can't explain how they are all hearing about the mighty deeds of God in languages that to them are their native language. A whole bunch of people visiting from out of town. And they're from, they have languages from all over the world. And they're hearing us declare the truths of God. But one of us stands up. It's Joe. Joe stands up and says, hey, we're not drunk. Rather, this is an ancient prophecy that's being fulfilled by God right in front of our eyes that God is pouring out His Holy Spirit upon all of those who worship Him. And then Joel goes on to explain that Jesus is the Messiah and He's the Savior of the world to all the onlooking crowd. And out of that huge crowd, 3,000 people give their hearts to Jesus, get saved. And we take them down to the boat launch and we baptize them in the lake. Right? That would be kind of cool, right? Now, as we know, what I just described happened. It really, in real life, honestly, in history, happened. Not in Port Washington, but in Jerusalem, 50 days after Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead and then ascended to heaven, 50 days later, what I just described happened. And today, more than 2,000 years after that event, we still commemorate that day. It's one of the major days on the church calendar, and we know what it's called. Suzanne told us earlier, it's called Pentecost Sunday. That today on the Christian church calendar, it is Pentecost Sunday. And as we commemorate Pentecost Sunday, what I want to do today is to explain the significance of that day, because it's incredibly important, and then to explain what Pentecost still means to each and every one of us today. Even if we don't grasp it, it still means it. So first of all, let's talk about what Pentecost Sunday commemorates. Grab your Bible and open up to the book of Acts. Very beginning. What is Acts? How would you describe the book of Acts in the Bible? What is it? It's a book, yeah. It's the history book of the early church. You have the Gospels that tell all about Jesus, and then you have the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. Some people say it should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And it is the history book of the brand new church after Jesus ascended to heaven. And it's telling about how the church developed and expanded around the then known world. And so look at Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at what I just described. We're starting at verse 1. We're going to read down to verse 13 for now. And see about that first Pentecost Sunday and notice some things that are really important for us to pay attention to today. So it says, verse chapter 2, verse 1, When the day of Pentecost had come, 
They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, sounds like a tornado, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them, now we understand this from, from the other part of Scripture, from, from the Gospels, there was about 120 of them that were sitting there, so a little bit less than we have in here today. By a rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves and resting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each of us hear them in our own language to which we are born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya, around Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, and a proselyte's a, a Gentile convert to, to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongue speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, No, they're full of sweet wine. We'll stop right there. Let's notice something here about what I just read. Look at verse 1. It says something that you could easily overlook, but it's so important. It says, When the day of Pentecost had come. What I want us to notice is that the celebration of Pentecost was already an established celebration long before the Pentecost Sunday that we're thinking about today when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the early church. It says when that day arrived. So it's just like when Easter happened, when Christmas happened, when Pentecost arrived. So it's an established holiday. The Pentecost Holiday was an established Jewish holiday that celebrated the beginning of the barley harvest. It was called both the day of Pentecost or the day of first fruits. And Suzanne already said it. When Suzanne said this earlier, I said, why does mom always preach my sermons? When she was introducing the sermon today. So why is it called first fruits or Pentecost? Pentecost because it is... It was 50 days after the Passover. So annually, 50 days after the Passover celebration, the agricultural Jewish nation, remember they were farmers, would begin to harvest their barley crops. So 50 days later, what we have a five-sided building in America. What's it called in, in, in a government building? What's it called? The Pentagon. Penta means what? Five. And so it's 50 days later, so it's the day of first fruits, or 50 days later, Penta, Pentecost, it's the celebration, 50 days later, of the first fruits of the barley harvest. So it was remembering that, but it was also saying, and it's 50 days every year after we celebrate Passover. 
And it was a national holiday. It was a national celebration. The nation would begin to receive the results of their hard work. Understand what's going on. They're farmers primarily. Their cupboards were getting empty. And now the harvest was beginning. And it was time to celebrate the fact that now we're starting to see a harvest. So everyone was told, if you were Jewish, you had to go to Jerusalem annually to celebrate and give thanks to God for his generous provision that the harvest is coming. And now the cupboards aren't going to be bare. The cupboards are going to be full. And we're going to make it for another year. That was the day. This is the day. That Pentecost Sunday, the established holiday, that was the day that God chose to pour out his spirit upon the church. In fact, the Lord had initiated this holiday centuries before, knowing that one day he would bring the ultimate fulfillment to the true meaning of the day when people would not simply be celebrating the ingathering of barley but would celebrate the ingathering of souls into the kingdom of God. So the ultimate fulfillment is it's the first fruits, the beginning of the harvest of the church of Jesus Christ. Because now when we celebrate Pentecost, we celebrate the birthday of the church, the beginning of the church being the church. The day people began to be saved through the message of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and become what we know as the church. Pentecost is when the harvest of souls began in what we know as the church of Jesus Christ. So that's why Pentecost is a big day on the Christian calendar. It's the birthday of what we come to Every single week on Sunday morning, we participate in all week long. We're not, we don't go to church. We are the church. It's the beginning of what we are as Christians. The gathering of believers called the church. The church that we are part of began on Pentecost just over 2,000 years ago. So it's right for us to commemorate this day, to remember why we celebrate it, and to understand the significance of that event, right? That makes sense. We remember birthdays, Correct? Yeah, we do. But here's the deal. If we just stop there, man, we come up short. We can't stop there. Because, yes, we celebrate a birthday. I went to a birthday party yesterday. It's awesome. We celebrate birthdays. But we can't stop there. Because there is so much more that Pentecost means to us today than just remembering what happened 2,000 years ago. And I want us to see that significance by looking at the prophecy that Peter quoted on that Pentecost Sunday when they poured out onto the streets, people thought they were drunk. Peter stood up and go, ah, they're not drunk. When he told the prophecy about the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were gathered. Remember, the 120 had gathered. And the Holy Spirit manifested himself through the sounds of a great wind and tongues of fire and everyone speaking the wonders of God in languages they didn't know. They rushed into the streets and people heard, um, then Peter heard that and then Peter says, wait a minute, this is actually the fulfillment of a prophecy from the prophet Joel. So look over a little bit further in, your, in Acts chapter 2. Look at starting verse 16. So this is Peter. Standing up, I like, let's start in verse 15, because I love it. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose. Friends, let me tell you something. I shouldn't even say this. The only, the only time you should be accused of being drunk as a Christian is you're 
people think you're, uh, you're, you're, the Holy Spirit's doing something in you. I don't know who that's for, but that's for somebody. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. Verse 16. But this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hundreds of years earlier, the Holy Spirit had promised through the prophet Joel. He prompted the prophet Joel to write these words in anticipation of what God would do on that Pentecost in Jerusalem after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus in the establishment of the church. And what he wrote in that prophecy wasn't just for them. It still speaks to us today. And I want to look at a few things that it still says to us today because God intends for us to to grasp these in our soul and live these out in our Christian life. So the first thing that I see from this prophecy that's super important for us today is this. It's especially important to us today in the tumultuous times we find ourselves in. It's this. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. In other words, he possesses supreme and unlimited power. See, there it was, 2,000 years ago at an annual harvest celebration banquet, basically, party of of Pentecost. People were just going about um, their normal celebration like they had done for hundreds and hundreds of years, celebrating the harvest of barley. And suddenly, there's wind and tongues and fire And Peter explains it with Joel's words from hundreds of years after the establishment of the Pentecost celebration, hundreds of years later, and he says this, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Friends, you need to understand something today. And as Christians, we can hold on. This is one of the most comforting things in your entire life if you'll get it. The most powerful words ever spoken are God says. God says, because God is God, and what he says is true, and it's real, and it will happen. Pentecost reminds us of God's sovereignty. What God says is all that matters, and what God says happens. So God said earlier at creation, let there be light. What happened? There was light. God said, let the, the earth sprout with vegetation, and what happened? The earth spoiled with vegetation. God said, I'm going to create man out of the dust. And what happened? God creates man out of the dust. And God says, I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind. And what happens? He pours out his spirit upon all mankind. Pentecost reminds me again of the sovereignty of God. What he says will happen does 
happen. And Pentecost, the, the background of Pentecost helps us get a handle on this. God orchestrated the development of all the events through centuries to make this happen. It reveals that God has a big plan and that he makes it all work together. He orchestrated the development of the first fruit celebration um, in, in, the, in the history of the nation of Israel. And then hundreds of years later, the prophecy of Joel, so that hundreds of years after that, he would cause Peter to understand that what was happening on that day of Pentecost to him and his friends was the culmination of those things that God had spoken earlier. We see the unfolding plan of God that took place um, over many, many, many hundreds of years that God had to have the idea for it from the beginning of time to implement the, the harvest festival and then hundreds of years later implement Joel prophesying and 400 years after that, God's saying this is that. It says God says this is that. Pentecost reminds us that God is sovereign. God has a plan. God is in charge. Friends, this world is not out of control. Write it down. Because I'm seeing the church in chaos. This world is not out of control. Pentecost proves it. God is in control. And he is bringing things together just like he did at Pentecost. He had a plan thousands of years earlier. He starts it. And then he, has a, then he does another part of it. You know, hundreds of years before one thing. And then hundreds of years later. And then he brings it and says, this is that. God says. So don't be alarmed, child of God. Pentecost reveals it to us. If we understand the history, we see God's activity in all these different steps to bring one thing to happen. God didn't say, oh, let me figure out... I could, I could make this holiday, I could make this mean that. No, God looked at it from the other side and says, I'm going to start this harvest celebration. And then forever later, I'm going to have Joel do a prophecy. And then 400 later, you're later I'm going to have Peter figure it out so that 2,000 years after that, it will affect our lives. That's what we see in Pentecost. People want to say, well, it's just about what happened. People got filled with spirit. No. It's so much bigger. That's important. But it shows that God is sovereign. So don't be alarmed, child of God, because of what's going on in your life. Don't be afraid. Because Pentecost reminds us God is sovereign. He has a plan. He is in control. And he's working it out. Doesn't that make you feel a little better this morning? Yes? It should. Now, Pentecost has more to say to us today. It says this. So culturally important. So important for us to get and everybody to get. And it's this. All are included. All are included. Understand what God was doing on that day. Because it was Pentecost, this established thing that had been established for, for you know, a thousand years, because of Pentecost, people from everywhere had gathered at Jerusalem to celebrate. Look at verse 5, it says, Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. So people were from everywhere come to Jerusalem for the Pentecost celebration. What's God do? God pours out his spirit, birthing the church. And brings, um, um, and, and, and begins by speaking in the native languages of everyone gathered. 
It says the Medes heard it in the Mede language, and the Egyptians heard it in the Egyptian language, and the Cretans heard it in the Cretans language, and the Arabs heard it in the Arab language. Why would God do that? There's a thousand other things God could do. Why would God do that? He's starting this church. He's pouring on the Spirit this long-established plan from started before the creation of the world. He's fulfilling his, his thing. He's showing it. I've had a plan. I've had a plan. I've had a plan. And the way he reveals his plan on this day is he has people all there thinking there's a bunch of drunk Christians, but they're all speaking in the language they've never learned in other people's languages, and they're hearing about the glory of God. Why would God do that? Because God was literally shouting something loud and clear. That's what he's saying to everybody. You are included. All are included. All are welcome in the church of Jesus Christ. God breaks down walls that divide people. He was speaking to everyone. And get this, not in the native Jewish language, which was Hebrew. He wasn't speaking in Hebrew. He wasn't saying, you know what? If you're going to come to me, you have to learn the language of the people that I first selected, the nation of Israel, the Hebrew language. No. He spoke to them in their own languages. He went out to them and saying this, you are welcome in the family of God. And look at Joel's prophecy, 17 and 18. It's about inclusion. And it shall be in that last day, God says, that I'll pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Age doesn't matter. Gender doesn't matter if you're a male or a female. And young men shall see visions and old men shall dream dreams. Even on your bond slaves, both men and women. So you can be free, you can be a slave. I will in those days pour forth of my spirit. And what's going to happen? And they're going to prophesy because they're included in God's working through them. All mankind. Sons, daughters, young, old, men, women, slave, free. All can receive the fullness of the Spirit in Christ. God was showing through the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit that, look at I'm, re- I'm accepting all of these people. You're all welcome. You're all included. God was shattering the color and the economic and the gender and the ethnic barriers. You don't have to be a man to be saved. He's saying this. It was a novel, a novel idea there. You can be a woman and be saved. They didn't even believe it was true. You don't have to be a, a slave owner to be saved. He's saying, shatter that whole system. You can be a slave and be saved. You can be a slave owner and be saved. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be, you can be poor. He's saying, everybody, you can be old, you can be young. Why? Because the Holy Spirit fills us all in Christ. When we look to him, we are all then united in the family of God. Friends, the church is the only answer to divided humanity. We're living in a world today that doesn't get that. They want to silence the church because there's division. The only answer to a divided humanity is the church. That's what Pentecost speaks. It's the fullness of the Spirit. He was saying, you're all welcome in my church. A little bit of church history for you here. You may know this, you may not know this, but we are part of the organization called the Assemblies of God. It's the world's largest Protestant fellowship. We're not technically a denomination. Um, and the fellowship of churches we belong to generally don't have the name in, it, in their name, so it's, you know, we're Portview Church, but we're affiliated with a group called the Assemblies of God. Um, 75 million people worldwide, okay? 
We don't make a big deal of it, but it's who we are. It's the missions we participate in. We give to, to missionaries all around the world that are part of our organization. We trace, as the Assemblies of God, our roots to the turn of the 20th century Pentecostal revival that took place at a place called Azusa Street Mission in the early 1900s. That ministry was led by a black man named William Joseph Seymour from Louisiana. And the thing that made that revival unique is that it touched and it brought together people of many different nationalities. If you don't understand the history of Azusa Street, people think it's about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't. Even, even Seymour said it wasn't. He said the baptism of the Holy Spirit was the evidence, just like in the beginning, evidence that we're all welcome. It was a, it was a bringing together of fractured people. Think of 1900 America. If you weren't the right ethnicity, you couldn't even go to a church. You couldn't go to a restaurant. You couldn't sit on a bus. Right? But under Seymour's leadership and under the Holy Spirit's anointing, it brought together people from many different nationalities, black and white Christians, worshipped together, and they were all filled with the Spirit. They had the same experience. It didn't matter who you were or where you were from. God was saying, I, I welcome you all. And a journalist named Frank Bartleman went to investigate what was happening at Azusa Street Mission, and this is what he wrote. And a lot of people don't get it. That, that Seymour says this was the most important thing about God was doing. It was about bringing people together, and people got mistaken and said, oh, it's about these manifestations. He's like, no, it's not. It's about God doing what he always wanted to do at Pentecost, bring the church together. And this is what, this is what Bertelman said. It's an amazing line. He says, the color line was washed away in the blood of Jesus. The color line, history in America. It says, as a matter of fact, other people who became leaders came involved and were so disgusted by it, they tried to sabotage what was going on because they're going, oh, we can't have this. The mixing of the races, we can't have this. But that's what Azusa Street was all about. Azusa Street was about the color line being washed away in the blood of Jesus. Church, the mark of true spirit-filled Christianity, of Pentecostal Christianity, is having the dividing lines, the color lines, the, the lines that separate people washed away in the blood of Jesus and then validated as true by the filling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is available to anyone and everyone who knows Jesus as Savior. It's called, theologians call this, the democratization of the Holy Spirit. We understand the word democracy, right? Democracy means for all. And what theologians call the day of Pentecost is a democratization of the Holy Spirit, saying the Holy Spirit, where before he just came upon certain people throughout church history for certain things, that God was saying, no, now it's, I am available to all people. doesn't matter, young, old, rich, poor, what ethnic group you're from. So God says, I'm going to speak to you all these ethnicities in my supernatural languages to show to you you're all Welcome. He is available. The church is available through Jesus Christ to everyone. So if the Holy Spirit is available to everyone, regardless of their race or sex, if they're a man or woman or ethnic or economic standings, then how can the church be divided by these issues? Pentecost says, all are welcome. That's what the church is supposed to be about. Amen? Amen. Let's look at another thing that Pentecost still says to us. It says this, Christianity takes more than right thinking and hard work. Christianity 
takes more than right thinking, so right theological thinking, and just determination or hard work. Jesus said that 120 that were gathered who were his disciples, who were waiting, he says, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It said, John baptized with water, but Jesus is going to baptize the Holy Spirit. They had no idea what that meant, but he said, go to Jerusalem. Do not leave Jerusalem until you are filled. Why did he say that to the brand new fledgling church? Because Jesus knew that living the Christian life and doing Christian ministry require more than any of us has naturally. You may be an incredibly gifted person. You may be an incredibly strong-willed, determined person, but guess what? On your own, you do not have what it takes, and I do not have what it takes to live the Christian life that we've been called to. We need to be indwelt by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Joel's, that's why Joel's prophecy, the Spirit says, People will prophesy, they'll see visions, they'll dream dreams of God. That is God dreams, that is the Holy Spirit's activity within the people of God. It's saying there needs more than your abilities. You need the Holy Spirit's activity in your life to empower you. He's letting us know you can't do this on your own. You need to be filled with the Spirit of God in your Christian life. Every single one of us. Church, I just say this. Seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Say in your life what they said on that day. I'm not leaving in my Lord. Lord I'm, not, I'm not stopping in my life until you fill me with your spirit. And I need your power. Having that attitude that says every day, God, today I can't make it on my own. I need the power of the Holy Spirit working within me. Yield your life to him, to the Holy Spirit. Because you were never intended to live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we get really frustrated because we try to do it on our own. Guess what? Some of you have been hurt so deeply and you actually say, I'm going to try to forgive on my own. You can't do it. But the Holy Spirit within you can help forgive through you. We need the power of of the Holy Spirit. So we need to live lives, not of pride that says I can do it on my own, but humility. Humility says, I can't. And I'm fine with that. But God in me can do anything. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you if you're a child of God, the Scriptures say. You were never meant to do this on your own. So, so every day of your life, let Pentecost Sunday be the reminder of it. You need to say, God, fill me and refill me with the Holy Spirit. And have a heart that's open and says, I can't. That's not weakness, that's wisdom. It's wisdom to say, I know when I need something. And we all need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So we open up our hearts and say, come Holy Spirit, fill me again. One more thing that Pentecost still says to us. It's this. It's about the harvest. Look at verse 21 of what we read. And it shall be that everyone, again, democratization, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. On that first Pentecost, 3,000 called on the Lord and we're saved. Pentecost reminds us again 
that the Holy Spirit fills Christians so that he can move through us to reach other people with the gospel and welcome them into the kingdom of God. Pentecost is about a harvest of souls. That's what it's about. It was the celebration of the beginning of the barley harvest, but now it is about the harvest of souls. People that Jesus died for of every color and nationality and economic status, God fills us with his spirit so that he can reach others through us. That's why he fills with us a spirit. Because lost people matter to God. And if the spirit dwells within us, lost people matter to us. Because God's spirit blends with our spirit. And we become, we think and we feel and we value what the spirit of God does. So Holy, so Pentecost. Pentecost says a lot to us today. It doesn't just say, oh, let's remember the birthday of the church. It says all this stuff. We've talked about all these points. God is still shouting to us today. He's saying, church, you never meant to do it on your own. You need to be filled with my spirit. Stand with me this morning. I just want to close by praying a simple prayer. And I'd encourage you this when we're done praying. If you want to stay and you want to pray, some more and just say, God, you know what? I want to just sit here and say, fill me with your spirit. I encourage you to come to the front and spend some time praying. Because here's the deal. You were never meant to live your Christian life without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't. The spirit, the spirit of God regenerates you. No one's saved without the Holy Spirit. But there's a fullness of the Spirit that comes from a yielding to his presence that we welcome into our lives. Let's open up our hearts to this before God today. Father, thank you that you love us so much. That you never intended for us to do this on our own. But you said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And Lord, to be honest with you, as a culture, we have been told that we can make it on our own. We can do it on our own. It's a, we're rugged individualists. We can just try harder, work more, grit our teeth and get it done. Or that might work in the business world, but it does not work in the spiritual world. You want us to understand, Lord, that we can't. That's humility. That nothing we have, nothing we accomplish, nothing that's done inside of us is done because we've tried hard. You said it's not because of works. Because you don't want us to boast about it. But it's all because of grace. For by grace we've been saved through faith. That not of our own. It's not a result of works. Lest any man should boast. That Lord, you want us to live in this closeness with you that relies on your presence and your power because you've never asked us to try to go it alone. But God, we know this. We see it in scripture and we see it in history and we have examples in our own church family. That Lord, when you work through us, amazing things happen. God, this is our prayer today. 
This is our prayer. Do it again. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Refill us, Holy Spirit. Fill us, Holy Spirit, and refill us, Holy Spirit. We admit before you we can't do it on our own. We need you working in us and through us. We need you transforming us and convicting us and comforting us and speaking through us, doing the miraculous through us, your gifts and your fruit flowing into us and through us. So that not only can we become the people you've intended for us to become, conformed to to the image of Jesus in character, But Lord, that you would do impossible things, humanly impossible things through us. God, there's people in our families that are so lost. They're so lost. There's people in our communities that are so lost. They don't know it. It's not their fault. Usually not that they're rebelling against it. They just don't understand. Pentecost reminds us that you welcome everyone but that the activity that happened was your activity through your church the church had to yield to you flowing through them but when you did 3,000 people were added in one day so God we yield to you today we ask you Holy Spirit fill us and refill us and flow through us and make us brand new on the inside so that we can be more effective in all of our relationships. Holy Spirit, we need your boldness in a culture that's going crazy. We need your boldness to lovingly present examples of what biblical, godly Christianity looks like Not argumentative, your word says. Not divisive, your word says. But in love, sharing what you've done for us. And welcoming others in. Not winning fights and winning debates. But loving people. So that you can work through your church. Because that's how you do your work. You don't do it without us. You only do it through us. So God, there's families in this room that need to be reconciled. There's marriages that need to be reconciled. It's only going to happen by the presence and the power of your spirit. So God, today, fill us and refill us. We've got kids that have gone astray. We've got families in here raising kids and raising grandkids because our kids are making bad choices and some are tied up in drugs and some are making bad decisions. God, we need you to minister through us and in us. we got neighbors and relatives that don't know you and they're lost and we try to share God and it seems like there's blinders on their eyes because there are. Holy Spirit, we can't pull them down and forgive us for thinking we can. You never asked us to. But God, you can work through a a Spirit-filled praying church and a spirit-filled, loving church, and a spirit-filled, self-sacrificing church to reveal you to those so that you can tear down the blinders. 
God, it's all about being filled with your spirit. It's all about being filled with your spirit. So thank you for Pentecost. We pray, Holy Spirit. We pray, come and fill us and refill us because we need you. In a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to respond if you want. I'd say this, that we're praying, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Maybe you're here today. And uh, you know you're not in the kingdom of God. You know you're not. You don't know Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. Maybe you've been to church, but you don't, you don't have a real relationship with the Lord. You've never come to Jesus and bowed your knee and said, you're God and I'm not, and, and I want you to come into my life and, and forgive me of all my junk, all my sins, and I want you to now make me your child. You've never done that. But the Spirit of God this morning is speaking to your heart, and the Spirit of God is overcoming your pride and your stubbornness. You're saying, I'm ready to say yes. I'm ready to say yes. If that's you today, I want you to do something. I promise I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. If you say, I'm ready to say yes, just raise up your hand this morning. As an act of obedience to the Lord, say yes. I'm asking Jesus into my life this morning. Those online, do it in your home. Raise up your hand and say yes. Jesus, you know us, you see us. And Lord, we pray for everyone who's saying yes today. That right now as they say, Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me. Come into my life and make me brand new. I need a brand new life, God. So today I give my life to you and I start fresh today with you. Now, Jesus, I need your spirit to flood my life. Church, we're just going to close this way. I invite you, if you so desire, to come and spend some time in prayer. I encourage you to come to front if you want. If you feel dismissed by the Holy Spirit, then quietly make your out of the way at a sanctuary. But I just think it wouldn't be right on Pentecost Sunday just to walk out the door without living the Holy Spirit just as much opportunity as He wants in our lives. So as Pastor Mitch, if you just begin to sing something, can you just, whatever you Pastor Mitch begins to sing. Again, if you feel dismissed, God bless you. Go have a wonderful day in Jesus. You've got to get somewhere. I understand it. I encourage us to spend some time allowing the Spirit to flow into our lives and saying, God, you know what? Do the same thing through me as you did in all these situations in Scripture, as you did at Azusa Street. Pray through me. Let your spiritual language flow through me. It's just another sign that, you know what? The Spirit's for everyone. The Spirit's for everyone. So I invite you.